Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone in the world that is passionate about health. And if you've taken a deliberate stance to devote your life, your career, you have a calling for making other people healthier in this world, whether it's a, a technical startup, you're the CEO of a hospital, you're the executive at a health insurance company, uh, it doesn't matter. This show is for you. But uh, most importantly, I'm really enthused to have on the show the show today, James Mutamba. James is at Longwood Fund, and he's involved in a variety of different uh, organizations right now, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. He's working on some really interesting things. He's going to have some interesting things to talk about. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for making time. I guess start us off by telling us your origin story. Tell us a little bit. Teleport us or transport us back to the beginning. What are the series of steps that you went through to, to, to get you to where you're at today? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> we could we could start at birth. Uh, we could start before that. No, all but, right. you know, yeah. Um, I think from a most important standpoint, like, you know, all superhero origin stories, right? It's, it's sometimes it's we've had people talk about, you know, from the point of uh, maybe it could have been a tragic event that, that, you know, really was a catalyst. Or it just could have been like, you know, something you saw interesting in health as a kid, um, wide spectrum, but just love to hear, love to hear, um, you know, about, you know, where you started and, and uh, what brought you to where you're at. Yeah. So no radioactive uh, insects in, in my background. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so I'm originally from Zimbabwe and um, my, my parents were really all about education and as a function of that basically promoted or got me really interested in going to America for, for college. And so I started off college as a pre-med biochemistry major. And during that time, Zimbabwe went through a massive economic downturn that got me thinking about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life seriously for the first time. And fortunately for me, I had a great undergrad mentor at the time who knew I really liked science, but also kind of knew that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And he basically guided me into what essentially I'm doing now. I didn't know how to articulate it then, but essentially it was technology translation and innovation. And uh, he got me interested in that space, basically exemplifying how, for example, you know, we went from uh, somewhat esoteric discoveries on how jellyfish fluoresce, so uh, mm. with green fluorescent protein, to effectively translating that into, I think, a technology that revolutionized how we do imaging in general and changed, you know, biology in an important way. And so, again, didn't know how to articulate that, but I was really interested in this idea of going from science to making science have an impact in the world. And he basically encouraged me to look at more translational programs. And I ended up going to MIT for grad school, where the culture there is definitely one of technology translation and making science and engineering do important things in the world. And during my, my time there, got a technical training that I think was important in setting me down the path I eventually went down, but also exposed me to like-minded faculty members, students, friends, folks who were basically interested in doing the same thing and ultimately uh, managed to transition from there to what I'm doing now, uh, 
through multiple, you know, stepping stones career-wise. But ultimately what I do now at the Longwood Fund is work with leading scientists to translate cutting-edge science into therapeutics, mostly small molecules and biologics that hopefully have an impact on a number of uh, serious diseases. Mm. James, yeah, super fascinating area that you're in uh, today. So thank you for, for telling us your, your, your background um, story. And so it's, it's really fascinating what you're working on. Tell us a little bit about in this space on what you're working on. Um, tell us how it works, you know, maybe the problems that are out there, how what you're working on is solving them. And um, yeah, just love to hear a little bit more. Yeah, so maybe I'll start at the macro level, you know, what we're, mm -hmm. what we're doing, but me, my peers, my colleagues is really trying to develop therapeutics for major life-threatening diseases. And I think mm -hmm. the way we go about doing that is slightly different, right? So there's different models for innovation. I think our take in that, on it is really finding stellar science with stellar people and putting these companies together in a way that allows for that science to reach its full potential. So working with folks who are, you know, really experienced drug hunters and drug developers, putting these folks together with the funding, with the management teams necessary to bring these things forward. And so at, at the macro level, that's how we do what we do. More specifically, what I'm working on right now is putting together a company that's targeting rare genetic uh, CNS diseases um, using a novel modality called degraders, where essentially you're going to be able to go after untargetable proteins with these degrader, well, previously untargetable proteins with these degrader molecules and degrade proteins that basically cause disease. So these might be proteins like tau or alpha-synuclein or any of a whole host of proteins that are known to cause a number of neurological diseases. And we're primarily focused on the genetic forms of these diseases where mutation in the disease or mutation in the protein causes a disease associated with an aberrant or aggregating protein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super powerful. And so what are some of the, some, what are some of the diseases like that, that you see like, um, you know, what you're doing continues to compound, get, gains more traction, market viability. I guess I have a lot of questions in this space, but take us through kind of like the delivery. You know, what you're working on is definitely um, modern science fiction, right? You know, um, <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, what you're doing, there's there's some sort of super, super uh, soldier serum that you're, <laughs> that'll be the byproduct of what you're working on. But no, all kidding aside, Take us, how does that product get distributed and applied to? Like, what diseases do you see it affecting or, or improving upon? And I'm also just fascinated on, you know, who would pay for these types of um, things? Like, who would pay for these types of services, your product? Um, do you see insurance ever, you know, coming into play? I guess I just have so many questions about the economics and distribution of it as you keep going along, which I'm sure you get these questions a lot. So. Yeah, and, and I think our role is pretty early in that ecosystem. We do think about who ultimately is going to pay for these um, therapies. But, you know, our role is in really figuring out the science that we need to bring in to drive towards a therapeutic. So, so you know, the, the, I would say the typical setup is some leading academic at a university comes up with a really cool idea. Maybe there's a really cool publication attached to that. We'll learn about the technology. We'll reach out. We'll think about 
how one goes from this very academic, uh, exciting science to a therapeutic. And sometimes, you know, that takes a lot of work. Sometimes, you know, for example, if there's like some sort of clinical study done with an agent that's already shown to be safe and you're seeing efficacy data, maybe a little less work is, is required, but we'll come in, put the infrastructure around that idea and that technology and start to develop it in a way that's going to pass muster both from a regulatory perspective but also from a physician perspective and ultimately from a payer perspective because ultimately you know this is a business and so there has to be an economic incentive to do that and and so oftentimes the therapies that we develop will be reimbursed by by payers and so ultimately that's where we're targeting our therapeutics Got it. Got it. And, um, you know, how does, how does it work like in a longer term perspective though? Do you see your technology as, um, as something that could affect like a lot of other disease states and starting to become the norm? And, you know, I guess I'm just curious on like, are we entering a new like biological, uh, slash societal shift in the way that we should be treating diseases? You know, obviously you see in the market, you know, new, like, you know, fungal diseases that can't be treated by antibiotics and, and things like that. So um, are, are you seeing like our, our cells pave the way for this new type of technology in a way that we can really be curing diseases? Um, just really just fascinated, right? It, it just, you know, what what is, it, it feels like we have to get into a more deliberate design of what our bodies should behave and act like over the next like hundred years, a thousand years. And, you know, how do you, how do you see your technology playing a role in, into, you know, the biological design of, of us as human beings, you know, in the longer term? Yeah, so, so there's definitely a lot of changes from a therapeutic standpoint coming online, mm -hmm. right? We have mm -hmm. genetic therapies, we have cell therapies, we have, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the first time, really granular resolution on the genetic basis for a lot of diseases. And so while things are changing, I, I, you know, at the macro level, I still feel like ultimately the way you're going to get traction is by really understanding the biology mm -hmm. and the cases of these diseases. So mm -hmm. just by way of example, Proximity, the company I just mentioned that's going after these rare genetic neurological disorders, mm -hmm. comes about because we, for the first time, really understand structurally how these proteins are causing uh, the pathology and then what biologies we can tap into to basically get rid of these aberrant proteins, right? Mm -hmm. so, so at the macro level, you know, there's a whole host of technologies that are coming online, but I think to really sort of harness and, and capture the potential of these technologies, we still really need a really granular understanding of each of these diseases and understanding mm -hmm. where these technologies can be brought to bear. Interesting, interesting. And, and James, I, I mean, obviously, with with further testing, further approvals, all the regulatory and you know experimental, um, uh, you know, side of, of things on your end. If if say I was a fifteen year old with one of these rare genetic neurological disorders today, is this something? And, and say all your FDA, you know, all your approvals and everything were through and everything like that. Is this something I can engage with your with this service on for this, this, you know, the service and be cured, you know, at some you know point in time in the next 18 months, or is it, is it more complicated than that? 
So a lot to unpack there. So, so certainly it is our hope that these drugs are going to be on the market someday. It's not going to be in 18 months, but right. certainly our hope is that in the next, you know, five to 10 years, these therapies start coming online and hopefully on the shorter end of, of, of that mm -hmm. timeline. Um, for some of the diseases we are looking at, we do know, for example, what families these mutations occur in. And so there's mm -hmm. kids who we know, grandpa or, you know, maybe mom has had one of these diseases or it might be a frontotemporal dementia or um, progressive supranuclear palsy, for example. Mm -hmm. And we know that they are carrying this mutation. And some of these diseases, we know that the penetrance is pretty high. So it's not mm -hmm. a question of whether you're going to develop the disease. It's more a question of when. And mm -hmm. the hope or, you know, what we're driving towards is being able to develop therapies that for someone who's a child today, certainly this is going to be a therapeutic option. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, this is, this is powerful. And, and so James, how do you see like, uh, you know, these like democratize or consumerized like, you know, DNA testing services like 23andMe then? So, um, I, I mean, I guess assuming playing the long game here, um, I don't want to use the word game, but I guess looking long-term, is it, is it a matter of like a, a child that's born today, you know, maybe gets a 23 or specific, specific genetic testing test done, right? Um, to identify either pre or post or that person can have a kid, a child eventually that has this mutation or a child has a mutation gets tested. And then is, is there a, a sense of thinking of like collating all these different opportunities in the world or working with like, you know, the 23s and me in the world to identify this population set and then planning on the long term in, in five to 15 years, how to adapt using these technologies. I don't know if that's even a question, but I'm just thinking out loud here. Like, how do you think of that, you know, in terms of like those two worlds from identification um, to to potentially, you know, treatment in the longer term, you know? Yeah, so, so I think there's definitely value to understanding the genetic basis of these diseases, right? But mm -hmm. I, I think the road from understanding whether someone's a specific mutation carrier to a therapeutic is a long and difficult road. And I think we're learning right. that, right? So in the early 2000s, the human, human genome was sequenced. And I think we're only just now beginning to get therapies that are powered by some of those findings. Right. And so I think what it comes down to is, yes, we need to be able to figure out what these mutations look like. But ultimately, again, it comes back to really, truly understanding at a basic biology level how these mutations are causing disease. And certainly with proximity, for example, we have a pretty granular understanding now for how a mutation, say, in the gene for tau, MAPT, then causes neuronal death and neuronal disease um, as a function of that mutation. And so by understanding the structures of these proteins and designing agents that are able to target just those structural abnormalities while leaving the protein that's healthy and normal alone, I think that ushers in a new era of therapeutics. And I would argue across different indications, that strategy of firstly identifying the mutation to understanding exactly the biology you want to Mm -hmm. perturb or alter is going to be the way you know drugs are developed that that can move the needle in these diseases and it's not going to be a very generalizable approach right mm -hmm. so every 
protein, every mutation, every disease is going to be slightly different and is going to require, you know, a cross-disciplinary like approach to understanding exactly how that disease is being driven for us to then develop meaningful interventions. I love it. I love it. James, this is very powerful what you're working on, pretty profound. Um, let me ask you, so with, with these things that you're working on, I think you're, you're, we're kind of talking about it a little bit, but tell us a little bit about your vision for just healthcare overall in the future. What do you see happening? What are some things that you know in your heart are going to come to fruition? And you know, feel free to pick a time horizon, whether it's five years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, but tell us about the future uh, according to James. Yeah, so so maybe I'll paint it in terms of broad brushstrokes on areas that I think are particularly interesting. I think neurology is going to be a really interesting space, and I think that's really a function of some of the things we've discussed here, like genetics, etc. But also just getting experience from other more advanced therapeutic areas, right? So, for example, this idea of understanding mutations and how they drive diseases in oncology is really how we're thinking about neurology. So this idea of learning from one domain and translating what you're learning there into others is going to become more frequent, more apparent, and hopefully empowers more therapeutics. The other thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about is the models by which one goes from the scientific ideas to therapeutics, right? And I think in my somewhat brief career, I've seen a couple of different models for how uh, ecosystems do this, right? Going from a scientific idea to a product. And I'm sure you in your interviews have talked to people who might speak to how folks do that in tech or insurance or in um, hospital administration. But from our perspective in the life sciences, going from science to therapeutics, I think there's going to be room for uh, democratization of that process. So basically mm -hmm. allowing more people to play a more active role and to get, you know, a, a piece of the upside in, in that ecosystem. I love it. I love it. Um, James, this is really powerful. Um, you know, obviously, as you work on, you know, more projects and as you inch towards this future, or I should say leaked rocket, <laughs> um, you know, towards the future. And we get to have a lot of guests on the show that talk about different services and different, you know, aspects of healthcare. You know, what you're working on is definitely like ushering us into, you know, you know, a super powerful future where we can have, um, anyway, it's just very exciting, you know, what you're working on. And obviously as you work on this more, we'd love to have you back and have you share more of your results and findings. Um, let me ask you, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you if you would like, uh, you know, questions or feedback or just people just engage with you in general? Yeah, so feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at James Mutamba. That's my first name, James, last name, M-U-T-A-M-B-A. Awesome. Awesome. Well, James, first of all, thank you for being on the show. Uh, to our listeners out there, um, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that is passionate about health, and um, James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for sharing about what you're working on and how you're making an impact in healthcare. This was powerful. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks.